0: Today, we have another special guest that joins the pod, Ryan Zofe, a successful entrepreneur, transformational coach, and motivational speaker. He shares personal development strategies that measurably improve performance, connection, and mindset. Using the teachings of his own successes and failures, Ryan has a unique ability to facilitate deep change for individuals. And organizations, He has also been sober for 22 years and has used his expertise to establish We Level Up as a leading drug and alcohol rehab treatment facility. Ryan and I dive into the propelling moments in his life, how he broke the shackles of a victim mentality, taking challenging times and shifting them into motivation to propel us to the best version of ourselves. Creating our unique story, how life is a dance between what we desire the most and what we fear the most, how pain and pleasure motivate us, giving the right meanings to our situations to change the trajectory of our lives, how life constantly gives us worthy opponents, moving away from our numbing agents creating energetic emotion to retain information, fighting our way through unconscious patterns, how our breakdowns lead to breakthroughs, the right and wrong way to get significance, and lastly, the illusion of fear. I hope you all enjoy our conversation. Want to make a podcast? I felt this was a great alignment, Ryan, because I have been sober for 587 days. Um, <laughs> Congratulations! Straight, thanks, man. And you know, it was a it was a big aha moment for me when my family has a a ton, uh, a lot of addiction, like abusing alcohol, uh, prescriptions, all these different things. And I remember a, a very specific moment. I was sitting on my back deck here at my house. And I was like, I don't want to rely on anything like anything, any any alcohol, cannabis, uh, coffee, you name it. I just the only thing I want to rely on is just my body. And the moment for me was I had a relationship years back and she had uh, a very challenging time with alcohol. And I saw what it did to her family, what it did to her. her friends and even our relationship. And I was like, man, that is no, that is no way to live. And I don't mean that in like a pity way. I meant that in more of a you owe it to yourself to live a different life, to live a better life. And to the people around you that that you care about. I know there are, you know, I just shared one moment for me, but I know there are many moments that propel us into different directions in our lives. What were some of these propelling moments for you that built the foundation of wanting to help others through their struggles and become the best version of themselves?
1: Yeah. And so like what comes to me is my, my father passed away December 24th, 2020. Sorry. And so rewind about, you know, 10, 11 months, maybe about, rewind about a year. Uh, him and I had one of the biggest fights that I've ever been in with him. And we were going at it. I mean, we were cussing at each other and and saying very hurtful things. He was my business partner in in the drug and alcohol rehabs that that we own. And here's the crazy part. He he was re-diagnosed with cancer. And so he was going through chemo and he was going through very challenging times. And I was so selfish and self-centered at that time. I was only thinking about my own needs or, or how he wasn't meeting my expectations. And, and, and I still, at this point, haven't completely forgiven him for a lot of the challenges I went through as a child. And so we're going at it. I mean, this is like the worst of the worst. And so I had a business partner that, that, that have, has known my dad for, for 10 or 12 years. And he was doing his best to like bridge the gap or mend the relationship and and it was so painful because of what we said to each other. And I think a lot of my resistance to, to want to, you know, heal that relationship at that time was just how frustrated and upset I was at myself for how I treated him. And I was like, ashamed to, to accept responsibility. And so it was about 4am I'm laying in my bed. I woke up out of nowhere. I had this like, like this heavy pounding on my chest for some reason, I grabbed my phone and I, I received a missed phone call from a 954 number. And I'm like, this is strange, you know, I, I never really get phone calls at at 4am. And I looked again, and the number was calling and right before I could answer the call it, it you know, it, it already had been ringing long enough where she hung up. And then I get a text message and it was my dad's fiance. And so just think about that for for a second. Like I didn't even have my dad's fiance's number saved in my phone. And she says, Ryan, your father had a stroke, you need to get to the hospital. And that was just such a devastating moment for me. I I remembered getting in my vehicle and and driving to the hospital. and, And that entire argument that we went through was continuing to play in my head. And I really started to reflect on my entire relationship with my father. And I'm, I'm so proud of him because when I got there, you know, he's such a strong man. He he held on as long as he could for me. And I got there and, and he looked at me and, and he just reminded me how much he loved me and how proud he was of me. And my brother was right behind me and he asked, he's like, where's Christian? And I, and I said, he should be here soon. Just please hold on. And he did. And my brother got there and, and he got to say his goodbyes. And, and that was the last time I was able to, to really talk to my dad. That was the last like real conversation I had. And it was such a powerful moment for me because I realized how I've been harboring all these resentments and anger and blaming him and, and unwilling to see my part in the relationship. And I was just blaming him for all of my anger and all my frustration and all the, you know, I, I want, I was, I was in a victim mindset. And so that pain, that I went through, because that was the last time I really got a chance to to have a, a, a relationship with my dad, I made the decision at that point that that I'm going to spend the rest of my life teaching people how to change their perspective, how to forgive, how to look at themselves introspectively, so that they can ultimately heal the traumas that prevent them from having the relationships they desire the most. Because I wanted the best relationship with him. I was incapable of having that relationship because of all the trauma and all the baggage that I was carrying around. And so that's that's what actually propelled me to to take on this new chapter of my life which is has got me here with you today.
0: I appreciate you sharing that. How or why do so many of us play this this victim mentality because you know, I most of us would rather not get to those dire situations where we go, "I wish," and we hold on to this this heavy big bag of of regret. Why is it that most of us have that victim mentality?
1: Yeah, and so from my perspective, I just reflect back and and just realize like how much pain I was experiencing. And so I didn't want to feel the pain. And the only thing I can do is identify why I was feeling the pain. And and it was me blaming my parents and blaming, you know, the experience that I went through. And it was what I was focusing on, you know, like what we focus on, we feel, and I focused on all the negative, I focused on all the things that they didn't do, or how they didn't meet my expectations. And, and for me, as soon as I shifted my focus, and started realizing that the man I am today is a direct result of what I've been through with my parents. You know, you can find what's wrong in every situation and you can find what's right in every situation. And so I started to shift my perspective and look at all the gifts and look at all the benefits and, and all the rewards that, that have come from, from those challenging times. And the fact is I wouldn't be here with you right now, Scott, if I didn't go through all those challenging times. And so it's, and, and, and I realized, you know, earlier on in my journey, I used to think I was unique. I used to think that, that I had this like unique story. And if, if people really knew what I went through, then they would understand. And the truth is, is there's so many people out there that have it much worse than me. But what I realized that could be unique is actually stepping on stage, speaking in front of thousands of people, showing people what it looks like to turn those challenging times into motivation to propel me to be the best version of myself. And so that's when I realized how I could be unique because I want a unique story. And so the unique story is what you do with all the pain, what you do with all the challenges and ultimately how you impact those around you because we're all the same. There's no difference between you and I, but what's different is what we're doing today.
0: Right. You know, there's um do you drive motorcycles by chance or have you driven a motorcycle before?
1: I have, yeah.
0: So one of the things, uh, you know, when I got my license at 16, one of, the, um, one of the things that they teach you, at least up here in New England through the course is, hey, where, when you're about to turn, you look where, you're, where you want to go. And naturally, when you turn your head, the bike's going to go that direction, whichever way you're turning, left or right. And I find there is an interesting parallel with that behavior on a motorcycle as there is in life. When we turn and look at all of the negative things, you know, the events that unraveled, we could stare at those things and keep heading in that direction. Or we can choose to look at the lessons, the value in them, and head in a more positive direction. And many struggle with that head pivot to understand how can I leverage what I've been through, these lessons, into something bigger than just me. Or bigger than what I'm experiencing today, but for a lot of us, it's so difficult to get unstuck from that mentality, that 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 behavior, or that habit.
1: A hundred percent. What well said. And you know what, what was coming up for me is, you know, life is a dance between what we desire the most and what we fear the most, and so pain and pleasure are the two motivating factors that 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 cause us to to, to take action. And so pain, from my experience, is a better motivator. And so seeing my father on his deathbed, knowing that I was not the best version of myself, that pain was so great for me that I was like, all right, I'm done. Because I, I, I had some awareness. I had some clarity. I knew I, I, was, I should have made amends to him. And what, here's what's interesting. My dad invited me to breakfast a week prior to his stroke. And I was so resentful. And I was so angry. I was just like being stubborn. And I was like, I'm not going to go, I'm going to make him pay. And and ultimately, the one who paid the most was me because I can't change what happened. But the benefits of me paying was the lesson to step up to take action, even when I don't want to, because that would have been an example of of me doing something that I didn't want to do. And so that's the lesson for me. It's like when 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 the universe calls on me, it's my fiduciary responsibility to step up and show people what it looks like to fall down and get back up and to continue to move forward.
0: Mm, I love that 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 responsibility. It's amazing. You know, I think fear, anger, a- any emotion is are the greatest indicators. And I believe, at least from my perspective, that uh, fear, anger, all of these emotions, there's something to be learned from that thing. And most of the time, we are very surface level with that emotion. We fear something. So what do we do? We go the opposite direction. What if we decided to do the opposite of some of these things? Because they're popping up for some reason. And I'm a firm believer in we're kind of like cars. We only have so much fuel every single day to get from point A to point B. Where do you want to push your fuel reserves, that energy? For me, and I feel most people, this is what they really want at the end of the day, is to actually be a happier person, to live a more fulfilling life. But the breakthrough or the necessary change is to see the opportunity in moments of fear, moments of anger, recognize emotions and what they're truly telling us. But for most of the time, those emotions come cascading so much on us that we crumble and we kind of become stagnant when we experience those things. So it's amazing that you were able to actually understand the value in what was going on and use that as leverage and see it as a a, a duty on this planet. Are there specific strategies that you have found to be more effective when it comes to improving things like performance or connection and mindset? Because we've spoke a little bit about mindset so far.
1: Yeah. And so the the driver for me is really just understanding that the human mind is a meaning making mechanism. And so there's an experience that happens and we have a choice to give it any meaning that you want. And so I would ask you, Scott, like, what are you willing to do for those that you love? A lot. So those that you love the most, what are you willing to do?
0: Come pick them up when they need help. Be a listening ear, be a shoulder to cry on, be a, a support system, care for them, help them understand that emotions and what they're experiencing is okay.
1: For sure. And so like, think of a mother, what is a mother willing to do for for her child or her newborn she's willing to do anything, right? Anything to keep that baby alive. And so that's the meaning that she's giving it, right? And so for me, I realized that every situation has a different meaning and I'm the cause or the reason why that meaning is in place. And so as soon as I'm able to give it a meaning that is going to allow me to find leverage to use that to motivate me forward is going to significantly change the trajectory of my life. And so I started to understand that and I started to play with it. So throughout the day, like a situation would come to me and I feel like the universe gives us worthy opponents, right? And so that's the meaning I give it. There's this challenging time and I'm like, okay, I'm faced with this situation. I don't want to deal with it. Emotionally, this is extremely scary, but what's the meaning I can give it right now? And what I've started to do is condition myself to practice to know that this is an opportunity for me to grow. This is an opportunity for me to learn more about myself because if something external in the world is triggering me internally, you said it earlier, it's something that I need to face. It's something that I need to work on. And the more and more you move away from using alcohol as a, as a numbing agent or marijuana or, or gambling or women or, or whatever you're using to numb yourself, as soon as you remove those numbing agents, you're faced with yourself. Those are all opportunities for you to grow. And so it's, it's a practice. It's like, it's like when you go to the gym, you can't walk into the gym day one and expect to lift 250 pounds. But if you keep going over and over and over again, and you're consistent for a year, eventually that 250 pounds is going to be easy for you. And so it's the same thing. We have to strengthen ourselves emotionally. There's this emotional fitness that is required for you to take on life's worthy opponents. And so it's, it's like really understanding this and understanding that you have a choice in every situation that you're in, no matter if it's a situation you, you perceive to not want to be in somehow, some way you found yourself there. If you, if you look back and you look at the dialogue, some decision that you made caused you to be in that moment that you don't want to be in, but there's a gift there because now you get to grow past it.
0: Right. I love it as these, these stories that we tell ourselves. We do this with money. We do this with emotions. We do this with relationships. And I love this, this reformatting of, well, I have an opportunity. I'm here for a reason. And I have an opportunity to shift what this is telling me or what I want this to tell me or what I think this is telling me. What have been some of your biggest takeaways with this so far?
1: My biggest takeaway and, and why I've really fell in love with this journey is every single time I get an opportunity to help somebody that's stuck or to facilitate a breakthrough, I'm healing my internal world as well. I am I'm healing the, the, the same challenges and traumas that individual is going. And so the first like five or six seminars after it was it was I was emotionally bankrupt. I was exhausted. And I and I just kept asking myself, like, why am I doing this? This is so painful. This is so challenging for me. Why am I doing this? But I realized through that challenge, I was actually becoming a better version of myself. I started to learn more about how I was showing up in the world. And it was an opportunity for me to continue to strengthen my skills. And so I realized, you know, if we sit here and 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 I do a lecture for you, and you, you're just listening to me. You'll retain ten to fifteen percent of the information. Mm-hmm. If if you're listening to me and writing it down, you'll retain thirty-five to forty-five percent. If you want to retain eighty-five to ninety percent of this information, you have to not only receive the information, write the information down, but create this energetic emotion with the the content as if you're going to go teach it to somebody else. And then, if you want to guarantee growth and change, go teach it to somebody else. And so I started to shift and I started to understand like, this is an opportunity for me to continue to grow and be the best version of myself because there's no way Scott for me to help somebody change their life if I haven't gone down that road already. And so you hear like you have to lead by example. And so you have to create those moments of change. You have to put yourself in those challenging times, or you're never going to be able to reach people where they're at.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's the, uh, you can read all the books you want in the world. Right. But until you actually take the reps, you're not building the the muscle tone. Right? right. And that's exactly what you're doing. And there's this beautiful balance of what you're doing. And you just hit on this, that I'm helping myself and I'm learning myself, but at the same time, I'm helping other people. I'm teaching other people. So in a sense, and I've said this before, like you are taking the most selfless action, even though it's kind of selfish in a good way, in a really good way, and I think that is an interesting kind of dichotomy for for a lot of people to to understand.
1: Yeah, you no, know, I love it. I mean, you know, the, the the gift of living is giving. You know, seeing seeing the joy on somebody's somebody else's face, or seeing somebody have an aha moment, or seeing somebody that thinks that they're worthless or thinks. That, that, that they're not going to be able to, to have this unbelievable free life. And you see this shift go off in their mind. And you and it just it's so gratifying because I've seen myself stuck so many times. It's like just one more reminder that like, wow, I'm on the right journey. And that's what's so cool about it because like every single seminar, I've done 20 seminars, I plan. The whole week prior, I'm planning. I get this outline. And every single time, it never goes the way I want it to. And so some way or another, it shifts there, there. Somebody stands up and asks for help. And it goes down this path. And it's like, holy crap, every single time. It's like the universe, God, whoever you want to believe in, like shows me like, wow, like this, this is such a, a, a beautiful opportunity to, to, to love unconditionally and, and have no judgment because going through these breakthroughs it sometimes it's an hour to two hours. Like there's a lot of emotional swings that's going on inside of me. There's definitely times when I'm like trying not to judge and I'm judging and I feel myself judging. And when I'm judging, I'm not being able to help. And so I have to like in the moment shift and change and and have empathy and, and really like understand, like they're just on a different path on their journey than I am. And they're no different than I am. And so it's, it's, it's so beautiful, man. I, I literally tell my team, like, I cannot believe this is my life. Like, this is what I get to wake up and do every day. It's so wild.
0: <laughs> it, it's it got to be, it's also so freeing the position you're in, the ability to write, make these shifts or allow the moment to happen. We're so resistant to so many things. To your point, when you go off into a completely different direction, you're like, man, I wish it would have gone this way, or I wish I would have had this material. And then you get into this bound up kind of snowball effect, but you live life. It sounds in such a, a freeing way. You have so much latitude and longitude. And so many of us are stuck in this one lane on these like train tracks. And we live a a very rigid system.
1: Yeah. And and those are unconscious patterns, right? It's like we all have these unconscious patterns that are below our awareness. And so in order for us to to change those patterns or get off the tracks, you, you literally have to like fight your way through it. You have to literally put yourself in situations that Literally put so much pressure on you that either you, you you and here's the thing like you have to have a breakdown before you break through like you can't expect to just get off the tracks because you want to like you have to fight you have to like literally tap in and really find out like why is this this part of me just holding on for dear life and and it's and it's your nervous system it's your unconscious mind it's doing what it's designed to do it's it's keeping you alive so you're going up against your primal part of your brain that wants to keep you alive so that's what you have to go up against that's what you're fighting right like consciously like i'm aware that i'm scared to death but my survival brain is not going to get me off those tracks unless i have enough will or i left unless i have enough consistency to change that pattern and replace that pattern with something new that's going to feed those needs
0: mm-hmm. it almost becomes an addiction in itself right <laughs> in a, in a good way and the the irony behind that right because you now almost long for that output of what you're doing right helping people but i would argue that it's a good type of addiction
1: I 100% agree. It's funny. I I definitely have obsessed, you know, and, and I think the biggest reason why I'm obsessing is because I can just see how much better my life is getting every single day. The more and more I'm helpful, the more and more I'm looking to meet everybody else's needs around me, the more and more, the more and more I'm seeing transformation, the more and more attractive I'm becoming, and and the better relationships I'm establishing, the more love and connection I'm experiencing. And so there was a time in my life when I would look for significance in all the wrong ways, whether it was like buying a a fancy car, or it was like having some arm, arm candy, like, look at Ryan, he's got the hottest chick. And I was looking for significance. And so today I shifted. And I'm like, I'm gonna get significance for changing somebody's life. If I change somebody's life, and they acknowledge me for that, and I well, not that I did it, but I facilitated it. And I helped that individual see something that he didn't see, then I'm going to get that same feeling of significance. We all have human needs, right? And there's six general needs that every single person has, which is significance, certainty, uncertainty, love and connection, growth and contribution, everybody looks for those needs consciously and unconsciously. And so once I was aware of this, I was like, all right, I'm a very significant guy. Significance isn't a bad thing, but how can I shift my focus and actually make the world a better place using significance? And that's what's actually driven me to be who I am today. One of the reasons was that that's driven me to be here today. What are,
0: you know, obviously you shared the story about your father what would you consider some other significant moments in your life that really pushed you into either doubling down on your current trajectory or shifting it a, a few degrees?
1: So, I mean, what I, what I think about is like the most painful times I've been through allow me to double down or to continue on this path. And so what's interesting about the work that we do is that you can go back and relive any of those childhood traumas at any time. And you have an opportunity during that process to rewire it and give it a different meaning. And so I would, I started to obsess and get to a point where, as I'm doing my own healing work, I would go back to moments in time that were extremely challenging for me. And I ask myself, like, what's the meaning I'm going to give this? How can I use this pain to continue to find leverage to continue to move forward. Because I'll tell you, Scott, (laughs) there's not a week that goes by that I'm not in my shower crying hysterically, praying, asking God, please help me. This is so scary. I don't know how I'm gonna make it till tomorrow. I don't know how I'm gonna, you know, supervise 450 employees, continue my 12-step program, sponsor guys, be a mentor, do podcasts, do personal development seminars, go to the gym, take care of myself. All of that just piles up and it just I just have these breaking moments. And when I'm in my shower and I'm crying and I'm reliving my childhood, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing I went through all of that in order to manage what I'm managing today. And so it's not one particular situation, it's it's I relive a lot of them. I relive a lot of them because it, it really, I can connect the dots and see, those are the reasons why I am who I am today. Those are the reasons why I'm showing up and making the decisions that I'm making with my life today.
0: Mm. I love that exercise of looking back at your past and understanding the stories around it or the stories you've given it. And we touched upon that a little bit earlier, but that's the whole reason I started this podcast, you know, back in 2015, I got a text that completely changed my life that my best, best friend had, had shot himself. He took his own life. And, you know, in that moment, there were a a wealth of emotions that came over to me, you know, came over me. Like, is this really happening? And then came this next tier wave of, I wish I was there more for him. I wish I saw his pain. I saw his suffering. And I shifted in that moment to a victim mentality. And I spent about two, two and a half years really understanding what the event meant to me and what sort of positive movement output that I could grab from that event. And so I made it my goal, my life mission, to help people elevate in their lives, to see their true potential. And that's what really kicked off the podcast for me. But you know, looking back as many times as I do, there is, I don't want to say a fear, but this question of what happens if in that moment I did not trigger the response to change the track, the mindset that I was on? What would my life look like? And there's a wealth of gratitude that just pours over you. Like it sounds odd to some people, but that event really helped me use it as a positive thing to help other people. I've gotten DMs before of people saying, you know, hey, I've been suicidal for quite some time and listening to your podcast completely changed my life. It's those messages, and I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir that just fill up your fuel to keep going and tripling down on, on what you're doing and helping other people. And it also, you experience as I'm sure you have that, man, I want other people to feel this. Like this is actually life. Whereas before, you know, I felt I was, I was living in a cage, which I think a lot of other people do too as well. And the key just sits right in their pocket to unlock that cell right in their pocket.
1: That's so true. You know, and as as you're sitting and telling me the story, I, I thought about this one situation that I went through. So it's, it's 2012. I've been a commodity broker, and opened up a, a precious metals firm. And I've been running these businesses for about five years. And I'm completely arrogant. I'm, I'm, I'm super insecure. I'm extremely upset at everything and everybody at life blaming everybody. I had this toxic relationship with my fiance, I was incapable of showing up the way I needed to show up. And the more money I made, the the emptier I felt, but I was on this vicious cycle thinking that the more money I made, the the less um, insecure I would feel or the more I would gain acceptance from all those around me. And then all of a sudden, the best thing that could have happened to me did happen. And I was sued by the Federal Trade Commission. They walked in and they, they sued me for $10 million. And it was the most devastating time of my life. I go home, my fiance tells me she's leaving me. And so this was probably one of the lowest moments. And this was about 10 years ago, 2012, or thir- 11 years ago. And at the time, I, I, I immediately went to being a victim, right? I, I went to like, I'm not doing anything wrong, Um, you know, I'm doing everything by the book, you know, all these investors are are signing all these risk disclosure documents. I'm recording everything on, 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 tape. Everybody knows what they're doing. And, and yes, I was able to prove all of that, but the underlying problem was I was driven by greed. The underlying problem was that people, I was feeding people's addictions people were investing in high risk investments because they wanted to gamble. They wanted to take a hundred grand and turn it into a million. And, and there were people that did that. And so I, I fed people their, their the, the ego. I fed people the greed. And I realized that I wasn't putting people's best interests at heart. And so I I, I accepted that moment as one of the greatest learning lessons because I was actually at a breakfast with, with a friend of mine who recommended a, a, a program called onsite that actually started my inner child experiential therapy journey to, to handle all this trauma. And I was just being arrogant at the time. It was, it was you know right after the lawsuit. And I was like, yeah, bro, I'm the best salesman. I can sell ice to an Eskimo. And he says, you know, what's interesting about that, Ryan, he said, you know, Eskimos Theoretically, they they have plenty of ice and they probably don't need you to sell them ice. And so he said, when you learn to stop selling something to somebody that they don't need, and you actually start meeting people's needs, your entire life will change. And that was such a powerful moment for me because it really hit me. And I was like, holy shit, like like I'm giving something to somebody that they don't need. And so then I went to on-site, and that was that was that was the moment when I decided, like, okay, I'm going to. Open up a drug and alcohol rehab business. I'm going to start helping drug addicts and alcoholics, and people that have mental health illnesses like myself, so that one, I can make a significant difference. I can, I can, I can make amends for all the challenging times that I've put people through, and that's been my journey over the last eleven years.
0: Hmm. How do you admirable journey that that you've been on? How do you balance this piece of ensuring that? And I'm not implying that this is what you're doing at all, but that what you're doing today isn't based on this basis of I'm making up for my past, right? Like you're actually doing it out of the center of your heart, the good intention of you as a, as a person, because I feel, you know, I know some individuals that they're pushing through life, doing it out of the guilt of their past and from my perspective, I think that that balance can be a dangerous one to to play with.
1: 100 percent and and I'll tell you, like in the beginning, there was a a, a a portion of that time when I was trying to make up for lost time and And for me, I feel like in order for change to happen, we need to find leverage. And so sometimes the reasons why I'm deciding to change my life might not be a decision that I want to make. Or for example, like people go to recovery and people are like, I'm here because I wanted to fix my marriage or I'm here because I wanted to keep my job. And then once you, that's why they say in 12 step programs, they're like, just keep coming back, keep coming back. Whatever the reasons you're here may not be the reasons why you're going to stay, but it got you here. And that's, what's important. And so I've accepted that, that there was definitely a time on my journey that I was trying to reestablish who I was as a human. And and I needed the leverage in the beginning to keep it going because it was so painful and it was so agonizing to, to stay on that journey. And, and I wanted to give up so many times And the leverage in the beginning was like, if I don't stop doing this, then everybody's going to hate me. They already hate me now. They're really going to hate me if I don't change. You know, I wanted to reestablish my relationship with my dad. I wanted people in my community to respect me and love me and they did not in the beginning and it took me to be consistent and you know they say consistency makes the non believers believers well the one that needed to believe the most was myself and so i just needed to keep getting the right reps in and just keep showing up and making a difference and I'll, and i'll tell you scott i st- i went to tony robbins august 2018 and i knew that i needed to speak on stages, I knew I needed to start speaking on people's podcasts, and being vulnerable and exposing myself. But I'll tell you, it took me four years to get here, because of the fear of what other people were going to think about me, or it, are, are people going to judge me for what I'm doing. And, and it took me to introspectively look at what was going on and look at my motives. And I've gotten to a place now where the only way that I'm able to do this, if I'm truly speaking from my heart, if if I'm in my head or if I'm coming from an arrogant place, I don't do well. And 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 I have enough clarity at this point to, to recognize that and to see that and, and exposing myself is the the boundaries that I put myself in. Because People know when somebody's telling telling a lie. People know when somebody's full of shit. And so if I want to be impactful and if I want to make change in people's lives, I have to show up authentically or you're going to know it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think the ripple effect that you create by being vulnerable, because I feel as if we certainly live in a society that vulnerability is starting to become more of a conversation. Mental health is becoming more of a conversation, which about time, right? But I know, you know, my parents' generation, the generation before them, this piece around, you know, vulnerability wasn't a thing, right? That was a, a sign of of showing weakness. How dare you, you know, talk about these things or that you experience. And to my point is, if we had less highlight reels, imagine the ability, courage and strength that would come up from many people because Oh look at Ryan just shared something vulnerable with me. I now feel I'm in a place that I can share my vulnerability to as well. And I think that that releases a lot of pressure out of our valves in life.
1: 100%, dude. and, and so it's interesting. I um, you know my sister passed away when I was five. I spent a lot of time you know with my mom and and I didn't really go to school much and school was not a top priority for me. And so they, at some point thought I was going to have some sort of illness or some sort of sickness. And so they got me this, this, this hooked on phonics works for kids program. And it's for those that have learning disabilities. And so all the time, every time my friends would come over to my house, they would make fun of me. And it just continued to reaffirm this belief that, that I'm uneducated. I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm incapable of learning. And I ended up dropping out of seventh grade. I never completed seventh grade. And so once I realized that this is the path I wanted to take, I wanted to be a public speaker, I wanted to talk on podcasts, I had this like overwhelming fear that people were going to realize that I'm uneducated, and I'm incapable of, you know, articulating a conversation or doing a presentation, because I have no education. And what I realized, the superpower that I have is me being vulnerable and being authentic. And that was what my mentors and my teachers taught me. They're like, Ryan, you don't have to sound, you don't have to articulate the the best. You don't have to, to to grammatically be correct in every speech. He's like, but what people will resonate with is the vulnerability and the openness. And and that's, what's going to make you relatable. And you want to relate to the masses. And the only way that you're going to be able to relate to the masses is going out there and just putting it all out there. And if you put it all out there, they're going to see you for what it is, not for what you think it is. And then I started to realize, like, holy crap, like – I am making shifts in people's lives. Yes, I fumbled my words a few times, but they see me fumble my words a few times and they still see me up there. And so that's the win. They're like, holy crap, this kid is up here. He's being courageous. He's doing whatever he can to make a difference. And yeah, maybe he did fumble a couple times, but I respect that. And so I started to change my perspective and I was like, I gotta do more of this because people appreciate it. People appreciate the honesty and the vulnerability.
0: So when you're, you, you said you've done what now 20 something speaking gigs, is this something that you cycle through your head before you step on stage? Like some of these reminders, or now are you in a, a place where it's not as necessary?
1: So there, there, there definitely is preparation that, that goes into this and, I, and I'm constantly wanting to like learn new material and, and learn how to integrate that new material into my life experience. So there is a part of that journey. But I'll tell you, the, the more reps I get, the easier it is for me to access those memories, or it's easier for me to integrate that content or, or those tools. Because ultimately, like I want to be the best I want people to, to recognize Ryan Zofay as somebody that has has done whatever he needed to do to make a significant impacts in this in this world. And so I also know that you have to get your reps in. Right. So there's like so th- this is something I teach. There's there's like three parts of the brain. There's like the thinking brain, the doing brain and then the being brain. And so for a lot of time, I thought I thought about all this. I wanted to do this. I thought about how much I wanted to be a public speaker. I thought about how much I wanted to go on podcast. And I just thought about it and I never did anything about it. And then there was like I just got to jump in. I got to I got to stop playing small, get in the game get my reps in and and the more I do something over and over again and then it becomes a part of me, which is like the being brain. And so the more I step up, the more I put myself in uncomfortable situations the more podcasts I jump onto, the more uh, talks I do in front of people, the the more I can embrace those terrifying moments And what's interesting, there's always a moment that that happens where I'm like, oh shit, what happens? If I suck, what happens if I can't impact somebody's life and I'm making it about me. Right. And then there's a moment where I shift and I'm like, you know what? This isn't about me. If I can help one person, if one thing I say can help one person, I did my job. And then immediately like all that anxiety and fear goes away and it's not about me anymore. It's about the person that I can serve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What I, what I say, you know, along these points with, with reps is, The more action we take, the more data we receive. And the more data we receive, the better informed we are to make better decisions. And it just continues to compound from there. But it's easy to get an analysis paralysis. So many of us all the time, I have people that reach out, hey, I want to start a podcast. What gear do I use this and that? I'm like, nobody gives a shit about any of that. Don't worry about any of the fucking gear. All you have to do is just drive value. Is it something that you enjoy that you're talking about? And what sort of value is it going to drive for you and other people around you? It doesn't matter if you're using your cell phone then to do that. People will be receptive to that, pick up to that, see the, as you were just talking about, understand the authenticity behind it, and they're going to listen. It's not about the fancy gear or any of that other stuff. You could sit there all day watching videos, reading books, listening to other people. But until you put in the reps... You're going to miss out on data points, and once you miss out on data points, you're just going to be sitting right there in analysis paralysis for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. It's so it's so true, and and you can't you can't monitor what you don't measure, right? So it's like if right. you're not getting in there and getting in the reps, how are you going to make adjustments or to ultimately to your point, like get the data to make better decisions moving forward?
0: Yeah, we have. Uh, I say, our brain is the most complex computer in the world feed it whatever it wants it'll push out pump out whatever you feed it and it's really important that you feed it the right data and the only way you get that data action it's as simple as that action and i remember being at the beginning of, of doing a pod almost fearful of, oh my God, what are other people going to think if I, you know, to your point, screw up on on grammar or say the wrong thing. And at the end of the day, none of that ever mattered. It was a story that I told in my head and I made it up to be this catastrophic event, which we do all the time. You know, the house is burning down and it never (laughs) actually gets to that point. And we go, oh shit. All right. This isn't so scary over here. This isn't as bad as I had built up in my head before. And the more times we do that, the less fearful we become of that thing, we fear what we don't know.
1: It's so true, dude. Because you know, for me, like my experience, like nine times out of ten, the worst case scenario never happens. Yeah, you know. So it's like, and then even if you like you're you're getting ready to step on stage or you do a podcast, and you're like, okay, what is the worst case scenario? And even if that worst case scenario happened, it's still not going to be the end of the world. You're going to get through it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I it's actually a really good question to ask ourselves: the worst case scenario and be honest with the answer. And if that thing pops up, can you handle it? Because nine times, or I should say nine and a half times out of 10, the worst case scenario got you to where you are today. You're still breathing. You're still alive. You're still fighting. You're still pushing. Why would this event be any different?
1: It's so true. And what's crazy is like all this that we're afraid of is always an illusion, right? Like, Mm. like, yeah, fear is designed to keep us alive and and that's it's, it's you know, hardwired in our nervous system. But like if you're not really facing like true danger, everything's an illusion. It's all an illusion. And, and it's based on your mind just playing tricks on you. So it's like once you understand that, you can literally shift your perspective or use that as leverage to propel you forward to, to do whatever task that's in front of you.
0: Yeah, that this fight or flight mode, right? That that we talked about a little bit our brains are are wired that way. How do we leverage or rewire this thinking? You know, we're not still being chased down by saber-tooth tigers anymore. You're not going to die. Right. Um and I think that's really important to understand the balance and the difference from being here in 2023. Now, there are certainly other things and I'm not disqualifying people's fears or things that they may be facing that are that are challenging, but it's really important to understand, are you able to handle the worst case scenario? There are many people are a lot stronger than they think. The thing is, they never put the weights on the end of the bars and started benching. Once you do that, anything's possible. You get to step up the weight every single time you go into the gym. And I think that's really important for people to build that, that muscle.
1: 100%. And it's like, you want to know if if, if everything's going to be okay is if you wake up and you're breathing, you know that it didn't kill you, you know that you got another day. And, and and it's really like slowing down long enough to experience the feelings because a lot of times, for me, I would run from fear and I would just continue to run and run and run and I would get so exhausted. And then eventually, I would get so exhausted, I couldn't run anymore. And then all of a sudden, that fear would catch up to me. And then I realized like, okay, I'm all right. And once you go through that enough, your body and your mind will realize that that you can get through it. And you have you have data as you said it. You know, the, the human mind wants to find evidence to support its belief systems. So if if you're constantly running, all your mind, all the data you're gonna have is like, this is scary. The evidence, all, all the evidence I have is just run, run, avoid, run away, run away, run away. But as soon as you slow down long enough and you go through the experience, your mind's going to have new evidence or, as you said, it data to support its belief system. And then all of a sudden, you're going to be able to work through those challenging times. And then, like you said, the reps, you get into doing the reps of going through more and more challenging times, you're going to have a different experience of life and you're going to realize that you're going to be able to get through pretty much anything.
0: Mm. I love that. That so ties back to your earlier point about looking back at your past and the things that you've actually gone through and understanding them more, the stories around them, because How many things could we probably point out, anybody could point out of of fearful situations? You know, driving for the first time. What happens if a tire pops or if I hit someone or a dog runs out in front of me? What happens if I ask out this girl and she denies me, right? Like all of these, there are millions and millions of scenarios that we can throw out there that we can write down and reflect on and we always out the other side.
1: It's so true. It's and, and it's so funny because like a lot of people are like, I don't want to talk about that, or let's not, let's not revisit that moment, or like, let's just move past that. And it, it's so true because if if you can literally adopt a practice where you're like looking back and you're realizing all those challenging times and moments, there's so many learning lessons. There's so many gems in there that can truly, you know, Give you what you need to move forward and 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 to continue on this path of growth and healing.
0: Yeah, that 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 is a a, a solid point. It, not only the che or getting ahead of fear, whatever we are in the moment, but those past fears, those past events, always outrunning them too as well. Don't let them be wasted moments. They happen for a reason. You may not realize why it happened. I, I'm a firm believer. I'm not a religious individual, but certainly to each their own. But I believe everything happens for a reason. And there were there was a long time that I ran away from my friend committing suicide. I ran away from it a lot. I don't want to talk about that. I want to bury it. I want to put it in a box, shove it under the bed, and let it collect dust. And I thought, that's that's a wasted moment. This event happened for a reason, and there's something... Good that can come out of this as gloomy and dark as as it may seem, and you know to to your experiences that you shared here today, there's been a lot of moments it sounds like where you unlatched that box and you understood the deeper value behind that situation that event, and I appreciate you one sharing those stories and two you know we talked about vulnerability you being vulnerable yourself coming on this podcast and and sharing those stories and going up in front of you know hundreds of thousands of people and sharing them too as well so thank you for what you do Ryan I appreciate it man
1: thank you I appreciate that thank you
0: Ryan where where can people find you
1: Yeah I would I would say go to my my social media ryan.zofay z o f a y follow me there uh, we do we do a lot of promotional stuff there we actually have an event coming up March 25th and 26th um, it's experiential therapy, inner child work. I throw in some NLP stuff, some Tony Robbins stuff that I've learned. And it's, it's free to anybody who wants to come. Usually there's about 60 to 100 people. It's uh, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Unbelievable, magical moments happening. You get to see so many beautiful people being vulnerable, stepping up, supporting each other, creating this ecosystem of change and growth and love and support. And it's such a beautiful thing. It's my passion. So I'd love to have you there. Uh, that'd be the best way.
0: Love it, and uh, one thing—if you say, "Listen," those listening to today's podcast, here's the one thing I would love for you to walk away with, or really think about as you shut off those headphones.
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I would. I would say really, like lean into all the challenging times I you that you've gone through in life and, and really just ask yourself a different question. You know, rather than asking yourself, why did this happen to me? Ask yourself, why did this happen for me? And your mind's going to give you a different answer. And so the devils are in the details, right? And if we slow down long enough, and we look in the details, we will find all those magical moments that are necessary. For us to continue on this path of life and ultimately get the very thing that we want the most, which is unconditional love. And and that unconditional love needs to start within first. I can't go out there and love somebody unconditionally if I don't know how to love myself unconditionally. And you hear this cliche all the time, oh, you can't love someone until you love yourself. I mean, there's truth to that. You know, and once you can get to a place of true self-acceptance and true self-love, then you're never gonna be able to show somebody else what that looks like. And so that would be my, my feedback.
0: I love it. I love it, man. Well, I appreciate you jumping on the podcast, sharing your wisdom. And like I said, sharing your, your vulnerability, it means a lot. And I know a lot of people listening will, will take a lot of value away from this.
1: Now I appreciate you, Scott. Thank you for all that you do, man. And, and I'm glad that you made that decision to start this up because you're giving me an opportunity to, to share my voice and express myself, even though this is some of the most challenging things I've ever done. And for guys like you are, are, are making that happen for guys like me. So thank you. Thanks for
0: listening to The Motivated Mind with your host, Scott Lynch. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ryan Zofay around victim to victor. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Scott. Don't forget to join me every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. I love you all, and thanks so much for listening.